Welcome to the Business Sphere. On this podcast, we want to share real stories and real struggles from entrepreneurs who have been where you are. John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover their successes and challenges. We take a deep dive into their journey and provide you with tips and advice to help your business today. Thank you for tuning into the Business Sphere. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. Joining me today is Leaders Navigator, David Irvine. He is a best-selling author, speaker, leadership advisor, and conscious entrepreneur. Thanks for being on the show today, David. It's my pleasure, John. So you being a fellow Canadian, I love having Canadians on the show because this is where I was born and bred, and I still love this uh, great nation that we live in. But for all the listeners that are not familiar with yourself, if you don't mind sharing with them how you became that leadership um, expert and maybe take them through some of the, the journey on how you became who you are today. Absolutely, John. So my story goes back, I'm a family therapist by training. So back in the 1980s, uh, I, I worked with families. I had my own practice. And it's very interesting when you're a family therapist, nobody ever brings in their good kids. So all I saw were people with problems. I worked with kids on the street. I worked with kids through the court system. I worked with a lot of very troubled families. And I thought there's got to be a better way to do this. By the time most families ended up in my office, it was like putting a Band-Aid on an artery wound. It was just kind of too late. So I thought there's got to be a better way to do this. So I started to do talks for parents. And my theme back then was accountability, which has been really my theme for the last, well, since I started back in the 80s. It's been a passion of mine, raising accountable kids. So I started doing talks for, for uh, parents on raising accountable kids. And I remember in one of my earliest talks, 1985, uh, 350 stay-at-home mothers. And there's two guys in black three-piece suits sitting on the back row. Now, when I'm starting, I... I just I, I, it was a mother's organization that hired me. And I saw these guys on the back row and they're like, well, surely they're in, you know, they must be in the wrong ballroom. I mean, it doesn't take an Einstein to realize these aren't mothers, right? Well, they came up to me at the break and they said, I think we're in the wrong workshop. And I said, well, I said, well, it, no doubt. And I said, well, who are you? And they said, well, a couple of salesmen from Winnipeg. We thought this was a conference on selling tractors, but we got sent to the wrong ballroom. And I said, well, why on earth did you stick around? And they said, well, we're, you know, we, obviously we walked into, uh, you know, heard a talk on parenting. And so we we're both parents. We walked into a room also of 350 women. We thought this is going to be a whole lot more interesting than, than uh, tractors. But we actually, we, we have been sitting in the back room talking about what we'd like to do with you. And we'd like you to come and talk to our senior management team out in Vancouver. We're having a regional retreat next month. And would you come and make a presentation out to our senior manager? I said, well, I'm not a, I, I'm a family guy. I don't know anything about business. And they said, no, just take what you learned, what you taught us about families and apply it to business because it's the same stuff. We're all people. And uh, so I said, fine. I had no idea what I was doing. It's called consulting, right? So I went out and spent a couple of days with this team, this leadership team. And I, something in me said, this is the work I'm meant to do. So about three years later, uh, I gave up my family therapy practice just out of word of mouth. I, I got so busy working with organizations, went into business with a couple of organizational development guys in Calgary who'd collectively had about 40 years of organizational leadership development. And they really taught me about uh, the organizational and the business side. We wrote a book on accountability, traveled around the world and, and, uh, and taught our work around. It was my philosophy and it was their tool process. And uh, then it just kind of evolved from there. And uh, we have since uh, separated, but I, I began to realize, John, that 
that and I, it actually stemmed from some research that because I, I don't write books. I used to think I, I, I don't write books because I know something. I used to think you had to know something to write a book about it. What I've learned is that um, is if you want to learn something, write a book about it and travel around the country and talk about it for 10 years. And that's actually been my learning journey is, a, you know, when I wanted to learn how to have a simple life, I wrote a book on how to have a simple life. When I wanted to learn about accountability, I wrote a book on accountability. And I started to do some research in the early 2000s around what do people want from their leaders? Because something in the accountability process was missing. And it was very transactional. And it was very um, like uh, check the box kind of activity. It was great performance management process, but something was missing. And so we did this research on on leadership. I interviewed probably our team, 4,000 people. And we asked them basically from a wide variety of organizations, what do you want from your leaders? And basically we got, what we got back was we want our leaders to get past the fads and the gimmicks and the flavors of the month. We just want our leaders to be real. So I started to write a book about real leadership. And what I discovered is before you can be a real leader, you have to be a real human being. And that's really has been my focus for the last probably 20 years now is just really integrating my work around accountability into cultures and helping them be more authentic because accountability without authenticity is drudgery, but authenticity without accountability is fantasy. So when you, when you integrate them together, you get this thing called destiny and it's, you create an unstoppable organization. So that's been my story over the last almost 40 years now. Oh, so that huge pivot from family, say, uh, psychology, is it? Or was it? Yeah, psych- actually social work. I have a master's social degree work. in social okay. work. Yep. So through that time, to try to uncover, like, like you mentioned, just like health fad diets, people are always coming to doctors when it's already kind of too late. Um, there's already trouble and you have to figure out that route. And it's a lot of preventative measures that people have to work on to get them closer to fixing the major problem. But a lot of people are not willing to acknowledge what the root cause is to then try to figure out uh, a band-aid solution in the family environment, um, just like health and just like a lot of the business environments that you're faced with. Um, And that transition that you can't, like, what did you learn? Like, what was the hardest transitionary piece from families to business? Because like you mentioned, that one talk, there were two individuals that just said it was pretty much the exact same thing. And I, I look at that like, the world, every aspect of relationships, family, business, health, um, investments, you know, finances, or whatever it is, it's the same thing. You got to work on it. You got to learn. You got to figure out why you're doing it. What's the root of it? And then put together a roadmap and plan, but be yourself along the way. But a lot of people are, you know, like you mentioned, it's already too late. And then, you know, they didn't really put in that time to work on it. And they're trying to find a quick fix. You know, and I'll talk about, it's a great point. And I, and I completely align with that. It, it, here's the similarity between families and organizations is there's always a presenting problem. And it's, it's, you, you know, maybe you come in and in a family, it's, you know, usually fix the, it's a fix the kid thing. We don't, I actually had a parent brought his 15 year old in with, and he brought a list in, and this is all the things I want you to do to fix the kid. 
and I'll leave them with you and I'll see you in an hour is basically what the message was. And it's exactly right that people always want to see the problem outside of themselves. And so you find the same thing in business. There's always a presenting problem in an organization. I spent 15 years of my life traveling around the country, making a great living, telling people how to be accountable, teaching them accountability, teaching them a process of accountability. But very few of those people actually wanted to be accountable. They just wanted to hire a speaker to entertain them and to, and to inspire them. But nobody really, well, not, I won't say nobody because I have had you know, some great clients that have followed up with me and said, looks, we want to really apply this in our organization. But most people just would rather just be inspired by it or listen to it. And then let's go on with the next flavor of the month rather than really invest in understanding the root cause of some of their challenges in life. And it's true in organizations and it's true in people because what, it, what are organizations but a group of people organizing to coming together and, and working on a shared vision. And so it's, 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 a human cha- it's a human problem. Everybody would rather talk about the problem than really get to the core root. This is amazing. I love this conversation because I, I can totally feel why you're doing what you're doing but how like growing up how did you know this was what you wanted to do like were there people in your life that kind of guided you to say look i want to help families look i want to be a better presenter and speaker i want to make a larger impact by helping leaders really figure out how to lead properly well yeah what i talk about in my leadership programs is what are the defining moments that have made you who you are? I'm, I'm more interested in the question that you just asked than I am in many of the leadership development programs. Most leadership training teaches leaders what to do. And what I'm really, which is, which is uh, that's an important message to give. But my passion is really uh, helping people understand how did they become who they are? Because who you are is where you make your greatest impact in the world. It's not, you know, leadership is just too important to be diminished to a bunch of techniques. It's really coming from the who you are as a person. So it was ingrained in me that, uh, see, some people were raised by entrepreneurs and by business owners, and, and, and it's ingrained in them, this notion of, of business and strategy. My work, my dad was a social worker, my mom was a social worker, so I came through my roots are I, I, you know, they had world renowned family therapists stay at our house. My mother um, brought up uh, some of the more, most renowned therapists in the, in the world. And I was impacted by these people. It was, I'm hardwired to help people. It was always, my mother always used to say, um, you know, don't, don't operate by the pleasure principle, operate not by what p- brings you pleasure. What bring, what, how can you serve? And it was just ingrained in me. Everything my parents did were all about service and making the world better and helping people, uh, not, not about self-consumption. Con- and, and uh, you know, we, we, neither of them had much money growing up. And, and I would, you know, if I'd have done my business again, I probably would have gotten some more help in terms of strategy. But, you know, I just wanted to help. And it was in me to do that. So I didn't even know there was such a thing as a speaking business or a writing. I, I didn't even know about, I guess I understood about writing books, but that was back in the seventies. That was so far away. This notion that I could actually write a book. It wasn't even in my 
on my radar screen. So I just, I went to school just to get a, I just wanted to be a family therapist because I wanted to help people and I wanted to help family therapy. I wanted to help families. And so I got an undergraduate degree in child development because I love kids. I love kids and I love working with kids. So I just, I, I just, what I did was followed my, my passion and my heart. And I don't even know that I was intentional about that, John. I think it just, it was, it was just in me to just do that. And then what I, what I came to understand, I came across some motivational tapes in the 1980s. And actually my dad, we used to listen to, um, oh, who was the guy uh, that, you know, one of the founders of the motivational speaking Zig movement. Ziglar? Uh, it wasn't Zig, but, um, oh, I, I, I we used to listen to it. Yeah, it was, well, Ogmandino was, was a real influence on me. And my dad and I used to watch, listen to these radio shows with all these great speakers uh, going into church every... I don't even remember what we learned in church, but I, what I do remember is just sitting with my dad and how inspired he was. And there was something in me that said, you know what, I want to I wanna somehow or other do that. It's a, I didn't even consider it as a possibility in those days, but a seed was planted in me early on. And then when I became familiar with some tapes and, you know, the Zig Ziglar's and the Mark Victor Hansen and the Jack Canfields of the world in the 1980s, I started to think, wow, you know, and then I got this membership and we'd bring in speakers. There was a speakers uh, a whole program every month in Calgary. And I drove because I was in southern Alberta and I drive three hours and heard these speakers. And I said, that's what I want to do one day. That's what I want to do. And so, but it never came out of any kind of a strategy. It just came out of a, a, of a really listening to my own heart and following that. And I didn't even, wasn't even aware of it at the time. This is just in hindsight that I would say that's how my business and life developed. That's amazing. I, and this is where a lot of entrepreneurs have to realize that things blossom when you actually are doing it for the right reasons right? And a lot of people go in for the wrong reasons. They go for glamour for the, the title, or they want to be the, the boss of whatever, right? Or they're chasing stuff. Um, versus what is the root of it? Why are you doing it? And like you mentioned, servicing other, others, understanding where the gaps and value and how to take care of your people, tribe or whatever it is, like customers, clients, whatever it may be, that's the biggest impact that you're going to make. And it's so rewarding when you start making a road, like a dent in the road, right? Like you, you start seeing all the fruits being planted and you start seeing it blossom because then you know that it's progressing to what you anticipated as your roadmap. Because growing, growing up, I had no idea I was going to be a business owner. I had no idea. And for me, I, it was because I spotted an opportunity. I knew there was a need in the marketplace, and I just went for it. It was a grind. It was a lot of hard work. But I knew I had to stick to my root cause, servicing, right, clients, making sure that they got better ROI than anyone out there and just working hard at it. So just like you mentioned, you, you, you said like writing that book force you to learn as much as you can to be better at that niche or expertise, right? And jumping in, taking action and figuring it out is always the best advice I tell people too versus 
you know, a lot of people are like very, you know, they analyze everything, right? And they have self-doubt, they, they are afraid, there's so much unknowns, and then there's chatter between family members, friends, and colleagues, not pushing them to actually take action, right? When you start focusing on like doing and then finding communities, finding others doing what you're doing and have alignment and having a stronger sense of purpose, at least you know there's others going through the same challenges and you're learning, even though you might not be as successful as you anticipated, but at least you're doing something and progressing. Yes, and, and done is better than, than uh, perfection. So, you know, you, you just do it and, and uh, you complete one thing and then you learn. Earl Nightingale, by the way, was the guy that I remember that my dad influenced me by. But no, you're exactly right. And I never even thought in terms of strategy or I just said, I want to bring value. And there's an opportunity that comes like these these guys that were sitting in the back of the crowd said, I'm going to step into it. And if I can bring value to that organization, I'll bring value. And 100 percent of my work over the years has been word of mouth. It's all been referral based. So. I just bring value. That's all I know how to do. Now, again, I also have to learn, well, you have to work as a team. But oftentimes, I think what happens, John, is that we build, the, we, we go for big and we, we want to make big, but we don't necessarily bring value to people along the way. And if, if that's not your, it's that, if that's not your primary motive about how to make the world better, you're not going to have a foundation for that big is going to crumble at some point. And, and as a organization, culture makes a huge difference, right? And the leader has to, you know, stand by it. And they're the, everyone looks up to them. And you just have to be present. You got to live it. And just like I was frontline sales for 10 plus years. And acknowledging what the clients wants and what the leadership, there was a huge disconnect and gap. And therefore I knew I had to change it up and try something different when I started my own organization, because what customers want are what you need to start implementing versus a disconnect of what you think they want and perception versus reality. (laughs) So there's always that gap of leadership, even the teams, staff to the customers and so if you bridge that by being more hands-on or picking up the phone with customer service and learning where the challenges are sitting with your team to really understand what is going on you're gonna really see how much more you're gonna get from your staff and your clients because that's true leadership i feel i'd love to i'd love to interview you uh, I, I'll bet that you learned uh, a lot about building your business from working in, in sales for 10 years because you, beca- you, you have a mindset of how to bring value to people. That's the premise that you work from. And I think that's, pro- I'm assuming, it's been the foundation of your business. Hey? It's all about relationships. It's understanding customers and acknowledging where their challenges and problems are. Right. And then making sure that we can satisfy their needs. I say no to a lot of people because it's not in alignment at that time. But what we always tell people is we'll try our best. We'll give it all and we're going to help 
where we can. So understanding who you are and what we can do and bring value is always instrumental to our success, right? And just authentic, being yourself, being honest, transparent, right? It's so important. And it's been, you know, nine years of just fun. <laughs> yeah, oh no, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. And, and this whole notion of being authentic and being real, I mean, it, being yourself, it's that simple, but it's also that complex because there's so many different voices that tell us how we should be in the world. And to really be still, this is what I do now in my, uh, I have a whole community of leaders that are committed to helping support each other on this authentic journey and this three-day academy that I offer to help people guide them into their authentic self, to just say, let's step away from the demands of the world and the expectations of the world. Everybody knows what their customer wants, but I say, you know what, what does your heart want? And what really is alignment with your heart? And then build your business around that and delegate everything else. And if you can build a create, and if you can create a culture, I've worked a lot with entrepreneurs over the years. And if you can create a culture where everybody is finding their unique, in Dan Sullivan's words, your unique ability to truly find your unique talent in the world, delegate everything else. And you know, you build an unstoppable company by really helping people guide themselves to their to their own inner gifts. But it, it takes some work because we're more conditioned to be externally driven and to be on our devices all day long than to actually listen to what's in our heart. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, slowing down is hard with the speed of technology, with the real-time, you know, news feeds and these tech, tech gadgets and smartphones and everything. Um, that's a challenge. So what have you noticed if there has been any drastic changes in the last 30 plus years in your career um, as a speaker, as a coach, as a mentor for others? Um, has there been any changes, you would say, in terms of what you're seeing on the, the road of leadership leaders um, today versus maybe 20 years ago? Well, John, what, I, what I'm seeing is that we have forgotten about what leadership development really is. I, I come from the school where we would take leaders away for a month a year and help develop them, take them off site where we're not just, we didn't have phones in those days. We didn't have cell phone. I mean, we had pay phones, but we didn't have cell phones in those days where you went and unplugged and really learned about the, the fact that leadership development is personal development. You got to look into your inner self. And I wrote a book called The Other Everest, Navigating the Pathway to Authentic Leadership. And the notion of the book is that we all understand that, that uh, and I'm, I'm going to answer your question, but it may, I, I might digress a little bit. We all understand that the tallest point on the planet is Mount Everest at more than 8,000 meters above sea level. What's less known is that the world's deepest point is in the Mariana Trench at more than 8,000 meters below sea level. It's virtually an inverted Everest. And basically what, it's, what, we're, what I've learned is that true leadership is about the journey down. It's the journey into our failures, into our struggles, into our grief in life, where we take this inner journey and really get to know us. And I think what I've noticed is that leaders have forgotten that we, we you know, I, I love podcasts. It, it offers a great gift to the world. 
But let's not mistake. We can be stimulated. We can get great ideas. This is a beautiful, uh, you know, story that you're, you know, that you're drawing out of me that can help people get connected with their own stories. But let's not forget that leadership development isn't listening to a podcast for half an hour going to driving to work. Leadership is actually what you where we started this conversation. It's doing the hard work. It's really looking inside of yourself, and so. I'm finding it difficult uh, for people to be reminded. Like when I take them away for three days, will they leave their cell phones at home? And, and now in the pandemic, we do this virtually. So it's a little bit more of a challenge, but uh, still, um, but w- what leaders do is they come out of that in a, as a whole different person because they said, you know what? I, 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 have, I, I wake up, my, my device is on my bedside table. And I wake up to the stock markets, at, you know, first thing in the morning, or I, I wake up to the news, or I wake up to a client demand. And, and then we're racing, and we haven't actually even stopped to connect with ourselves. So I'm just, I remind people that first hour of your day is the most important hour of your day to get connected with you, to set yourself up for success by connecting to what I call your authentic self before you even start your day. And so, I, I'm reminding of people that of for people, and they get it. The people that are uh, that are you know where there's alignment. That, you know, there's some people that you know are still on the fast track and have to find the you know. The, I mean, I, I had to face my brother's death. I looked after my brother for three and a half years while he had brain cancer, and it wakes you up to what matters. I mean, the guy had a bucket list. He's a doctor. He was a doctor, and he had a bucket list. Everything he's going to do after he retired. And uh, the year he retired, he gets a brain tumor and spends the next three years of his life uh, dealing with that. So you, it begins to wake you up to what really matters. So I think we've lost touch over the last little while about what really matters, what our priorities really are. And at the same time, there's a lot of very conscious leaders who are staying in touch with that and staying aligned with that. So I hope that answers your question. It's a great question about what I've seen evolve over the last 30 years. And, and it's great because over the last two years during this pandemic, um, you either are ingrained in the media hype or you disconnect, right, from what's going on. And you can pick and choose because here in Canada, we have choice, right, as opposed to some of the other countries in the world. And for, for, for myself, I was able to disconnect and figure out what was really important, family, and spending as much time as possible being present away from technology and devices. And I put in my calendar when I'm going to have meetings, when I check my email, when is time to go to the gym, when is family time, and what's important is what I do. So, you know, reminders... removing my phone away from my bedroom and in the morning is meditation, reading, mindfulness, going for a walk, whatever matters. Right. And then taking care of nutrition. Like I'm on a, a different regimen and I know I'm different than a lot of people out there, but to do, you need to focus on what truly is the end game of why you're doing it, which is, really enjoying life right so when i'm with my family i'm so engaged i love it right but when you're distracted with all this noise and you're not even sure why you're doing it then there's a huge disconnect right and then you're trying to 
then you probably push it on to your staff or your clients because you're not sure why certain things are not working in alignment, like you mentioned. So it's having clarity, I think, and then ensuring that you're following your roadmap to ensure that it's going to progress either, you know, there's going to be dips, there's going to be bad days and good, but eventually you're going to have more good days and you're going to stay more positive and have fun along the way because a lot of people forget about that fun component, right? See, what I hear in that is an authentic journey. And I'd love to hear how you came onto that journey because I think the first half of our life is run by the phone, by our devices, which is all about goals and achievements and, and uh, you know, getting better and bigger in life, which is an important part of life. But I think you move over into where you're not driven by, the, by a phone, but you're guided by an internal compass where you know what your values are and you aren't driven. Your clients aren't the center of your life. They're a critical component to your life. But what I hear is a lot of alignment between you and I, where I get up and get centered, meditate, have that time in the morning to say, I'm going to connect with myself first. And then everything flows from there. When, when this pandemic hit two years ago, I had two years of my, of my uh, schedule knocked off. I had, you know, two years that I had, I was booked out two years in advance. And basically I became unemployed. Everybody says, well, why don't you, you can either do two things, pivot uh, your business or just retire. And I, frankly, I could have retired, but I, 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 this is my life's work. I can't just stop working. Um, but at the same time, it's not the center of my life. And I resisted the tendency to just re-pivot and, and just redesign my business. And I took three months and I went for walks in the conservancy behind our home. And I sat still and I said, what is the world calling me to do in this next chapter of my life? Rather than that manic energy to just get going, it, 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 I, I had to practice what I preached which is to stop and be still. You know, it's an old and ironic habit of human beings, John, to run faster when we've lost our way. And I have been lost in the wilderness. And the natural tendency is to speed up. But what do you do when you're lost? You stop and get your bearings. And you, you align your life with an internal compass. And so what I began to realize is, is that over a period of a lot of stillness, a lot of walks, a lot of journal writing, I be, what emerged out of that is to transform my business from a speaking business, although I'll still speak, but a, a speaking business into a community model where, we, where I take all the leaders that I've worked with for the last 34, 35 years and say, you want to be a part of a community to go deeper with this? This is what I'm creating. And that everything is fed into this community of people that really want, you know, we're, we've got these retreats now, you know, they're online now, but it really doesn't matter whether it's online or whether it's in person. I mean, both of them, there's advantages and disadvantages to both, but it maintains my own purpose. But it all, that came not from the world, but from my heart. I had to stop and look inside and say, where am I really meant to be at this time in my life? And that's what gives me meaning to my life is when I, you know, when I listen to that and, and you know, and, and my family, my relationships, my health are all integrated together. And that's really, 
you know, I, I, I got to practice what I preach. And this is what I, this is how I'm living is what I teach. And this is, so you inspired me. No, this is great uh, wisdom because I'm exposed to a lot of business owners where everyone's chasing and they're uncertain why they're doing certain things, pivoting. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of restrictions, like whatever it was, I try to tell people it could have been worse because you're still in business or you're in not in North America. You're in a different country where they dictate how things are. So there's always good and bad. And I always look at the bigger picture and let people in on, you know, a little bit of my backstory of my parents left the Vietnam War, left everything for my generation and my family, my siblings. And so for me, it was like, when I see my parents, I totally respect. And there's people in all parts of the world, Syria, Ukraine, different parts of you know, Cuba, uh, South America, Europe. And when they tell me that they left because of authoritarianism or different societal issues for the next generation, I can relate. And I know how challenging it is. And I always tell them like, you're doing the right thing because even though you don't like, it's a struggle for the next five, 10 years for your kids and their future, you're setting them up for so much success, right? And someone has to sacrifice something. So it's like being exposed to a lot of different people at different stages of their lives and then understanding like, what is the reason? Because a lot of people are chasing in North America, but they have to realize you guys are in the top one, 2% of global wealth distribution. And if you already have your needs satisfied shelter food and you have some choice right where you can go places people don't ever fly travel go anywhere outside of their small community in certain parts of the world so we are so privileged and people just have to realize to slow down acknowledge what they have and be grateful versus i want to compare to this guy with a nice car or a nice suit or whatever it is like you know what I mean, David? I, I don't know. I totally get it. I totally get it. We we don't know how fortunate we are. I, I think of the roots that I came from. I mean, you came from Vietnam, and I, I'd love to hear more of that story that's ingrained in you. My mother lived on a, with, in a 900, was raised in a farm in a 900 square foot house, shack. 12 kids were in that, were in that shack, two of whom died in, in childhood. From, she lived through four pandemics um, and, you know, she lost two siblings back in those days that we didn't have a world-class healthcare system. People just died. I think my mother would today would say we're a little spoiled. Yes. We just don't know. You know, yeah. I always say, if you want to raise accountable kids, poverty really helps. How many generations have you seen? How many entrepreneurs have you seen that have come from nothing? Their roots were nothing, but they had to build it up. Versus being just taken, we take it for granted if it's too easy for us. Hey, yes. and so it is a sense of of appreciation uh, for what we really have. And unless you've been, and this is one of the things that I think the pandemic has helped us with, is it's invited us to stop and slow down and go inside if we take advantage. Now, many people have just maintained their manic energy and done something out of you know some done something just to keep busy. But the opportunity here is to look inside 
you know, we haven't been able to travel. Well, you know what? Maybe that's a good thing that we've lost some of our freedoms, although we're, they're certainly coming back. But let's not let this a crisis is too important and too horrible to miss. Let's not miss the teaching that comes from a, a real disruption like this where we have a chance to look inside and say, what really are my values? What really matters? And until you get, until you get close to death, I don't know that you can, that it really wakes you up. Otherwise it's just all in your head. Hey, eh, John. And, and last two years, like I feel ultra grateful, even though my son wasn't in school, I was able to be present and, you know, be there to teach him there. Right. Like, any time in the world. I, I don't know if you've had two years of disruption from public, private, whatever schooling system, but if you're privileged to then spend two years with your kid to watch them grow up, I mean, that I look at lifespan and I look at teenagers versus when they're younger and when they are off on their own, you're going to miss those years and moments. So you might as well enjoy it when you can, because when they start growing up and they don't want anything to do with you, you're going to regret the times that you didn't have to spend more time with them. And that's where a lot of leaders forget what's truly important, why they're doing things. And like you mentioned, your brother being in the medical field, a lot of my friends are, you know, professional doctors, dentists, and I always tell them to slow down yet. Yeah, they're chasing and they don't even know why they're chasing. They're like, wait until a couple more years, a couple more years going to go by and they're still chasing. And I'm like, let's just go away. Let's go slow down. Take a, get that phone away because let's just have a good time. Let's like have those moments like we had back in childhood. Right. Absolutely. I, I, I still remember, I'm old enough to remember Lily Tomlin, and, you know, the great comedian and uh, and she always used to say, well, even if you win the rat race at the end, you're still a rat. Yeah. So, you know, there's a sense of what are we really chasing in life? And when you begin to ask those questions, John, then you have shifted into what I call this other Everest, this other this journey into the authentic self, where you begin to really look inside and say, what really drives my life and what do I what do I really want out of my life? And to begin, you see, I think we get this mixed up. And I, I'm going to just speak to your entrepreneurs uh, for a moment here. I think we, we get it mixed up. We drive for production and then squeeze a quality of life into that production. Where does my quality of life fit? Instead of, we get it backwards. And my premise is let's define what kind of quality of life that we want and then ask ourselves, how much production do we need to support that quality of life? Let's get really clear on the vision. Oftentimes, we take the time to get a vision of our work and our business and where our business is going in the marketplace. But my question is, where is your life? Where's the, how does that fit into the context of your life? And, and how would you define? I, I often ask entrepreneurs, because I've certainly worked with a lot of them over years, over the years is what, how would you define your own quality of life? What really matters to you? And how does your business support that rather than the other way around? That's, you nailed it. I, I started this company as a family first kind of organization. And every single client is an SMB, small, medium-sized business, family-run business. And my entire staff is family first. So that's what I bred and I believe in it as a parent 
these are the, the values I believe in. And if you know the core of every single human, it should be the relationship piece, right? And which is, you know, parents, children, aunts, uncles, friends, or whatever, community leaders, that's family. And that's where if you have that strong strength and core, um, it's unbreakable. So uh, I love it. Well, yeah, and I, I love families in business. I love business families. And, you know, what's the purpose of a business family if it's not to support the family? Yes. Uh, what's the point of it, right? And it's such a rich opportunity to work together with your family. Uh, and to, you know, what a, what a better way to prepare the next generation for the future than to work with them in a business. Um, and let's keep that in mind why we're doing what we're doing. Eh? Oh, that's amazing. So thanks a lot, David. I know we only have a couple minutes. I wanted to ask you a couple things. So where do you see yourself? Because you mentioned you pivoted or things changed during this pandemic. Things are opening up again. Um, and I'm not sure if you still want to continue doing all those traveling and speaking and all that other stuff, but it's a lot of energy too, right? And as you know, that takes away from time, away from family or people in your community or close circle, right? Uh, where do you, you see yourself and what is your next kind of move? Well, for the next 10 years, um, I, I still will speak, but it's, but, but it's, a, 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 it's, it's really a, um, a method to get people interested in wanting to go deeper. So when I speak, I will still speak to companies, but the invitation will be, if you want to go further with this, come and be a part of our community. And so I have a, this, this three-day academy, and it's, it's really moving into this community model. And then I have a coaching process and mentoring for people that want to stay connected to their authentic self. And there's a whole community involved in that. And there's a learning and there's a three-day. Right now, it's, we're having a, a retreat next month, uh, virtually, a three-day uh, academy, which I must say there are still seats available in there. And what we do is that we get leaders together and then from there, build a whole community. We're going to have two academies every year. And we're going to have an annual conference with people that are em embarking in this community that are committed to staying authentic and staying true to their own path. And so that's, that's really where my next, next 10 years, we've got a whole team built up where we're helping people build that community over the next 10 years. We've got mentors. We've got a coaching team. Um, and it's, it's really about what I call an immortality project that will live on beyond me. I, up until now, if I wasn't there, uh, you know, the work would have died. But now it's going to live on beyond me, which is really what, uh, what, where my passion is, is to build something that will uh, create value after, long after I'm gone. And that will build capacity and to help leaders develop and these mentors develop without me being there. So that's where my passion is right now. And people can, if they're interested in going further with this, you can certainly look up my website, davidirvine.com uh, and uh, find out all of, we've got uh, complimentary webinars each month. We've got uh, mini courses that are complimentary. And then these, uh, this uh, academy that really forms the foundation of this. This is amazing, David, because creating a community is a lot of work. Um, I believe in community. I believe that in this SEO industry, uh, there's good communities out there to take part. Like there's expert speaking conferences, 
But in order to be ingrained and understand it, you have to be a part of one. You need to start learning how it works, what's in it. And that business model is very challenging to start, but it's so rewarding because then you get like-minded people in a tribe to support your root cause. And when everyone's in alignment and everyone's enjoying it, they're going to stay committed for, like you mentioned, legacy. And that's going to pass it on if it's a brand or whatever you're planning on, because then it, it, it makes like, then you're doing it for the next generation or, you know, it, it passes along. Right. And that's so rewarding to see and hear it, David. This is awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I think I should have done this years ago, but you know what you do it, what you Never do it when the time is there, when, when you're meant to do it. And so I'm, you know, this, just this notion of building a team, I would have built a team, to help support this long time. That's one thing I, uh, I learned along the way. I was so darn independent. I never really relied on, if you're going to do something great in the world, it does absolutely take a team. It builds a community, but it's so invigorating at this stage in my life to have this cause that I'm, uh, that we're working toward as a community. It's never too late. And you know, when it's the right time, but scaling me, you need people, you need people and you need to learn to delegate and you need to figure out what, and everyone has to be in line. Right. Um, but it's learning that and acknowledging what you know today, you have a lot more wisdom than a lot of people who are just starting off or someone that has five, 10 years, you have 30 plus years. So take that, uh, in, and I'm sure you're going to continue doing great things, um, I know you have a lot of books. You, people can check out your books. They can check out your website. We'll have all your links there. And this has been a lot of fun, David. I really appreciate. I'm ultra grateful. You are a fellow Canadian, so I, I love that. Um, I do visit Alberta quite often, too. So I'll ring you up if I'm ever there. But thanks a lot, David, for being on the show today. Well, John, I really value your presence. I love your energy. I love your authentic, your authenticity in my words. So it's been a delight and I hope we can do this again anytime. You come and see me. Amazing. Thanks a lot, David. Bet you, buddy. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Business Sphere and share this episode. Tune in next week for more interviews from entrepreneurs.